Welcome to the Open Sea Podcast. Here at Open Sea, we recognize that the Bible was written in languages full of richness and beauty. Our goal is to explore the beauty of the New Testament, written in Koine Greek, that can sometimes become obscured in English translations. We desire to bridge the gap of scholarship and make these conversations about Biblical Greek accessible to all curious people. So whether you have studied Greek for years or you are embarking on this journey today, all are welcome to take a seat at the table. Welcome to the Open Seat Podcast, episode 16. My name is Olivia Madrid, and I'm here with my friends, Caitlin McCracken. Hello, hello. And Cade Robertson. Hey, everyone. And for today's guest, we have one of our good friends, Emily Watling. Hello. We're going to continue working through 1 John. We're going to be looking at chapter 3, verses 11 through 24 with Emily. And we're just excited to have her on. We've been meaning to have her on for a little while, and (laughs) now it worked out. So we're excited. So my, my icebreaker question for today is, what is a product you have received or purchased that you highly recommend to others? A product as in like not a random purchase like shoes? I mean, it can be. I can go first if that helps okay, clarify. Yeah. Go also. First. So I have two. One is the Amazon plugs that go into the wall because then you can set timers for your lamps and things. So that way at sunset, your lamp comes on. And then in the morning when your alarm goes off, your lamp can come on. I don't know. I really love it. And so that was one. And I forgot my second one, and we'll get back to you as soon as I remember. So if anybody else remembers what they have for a highly recommended product. Well, I treated myself this last Black Friday. Last Black Friday. That was like months ago already. Anyways, I got the... I got the Casa Brews espresso machine, which mm-hmm. is really similar to the Breville one. If you, yeah, this like everywhere Breville is, mm-hmm. but the Casper's one is almost the same, and it was like several hundred. Well, no, <laughs> a few hundred dollars cheaper, but like the same exact quality. And so, yeah, hmm. I get really nice lattes whenever I want because I can make them. So, shout out to Casper's. <laughs> uh, not a sponsor. Um, okay, I've got two then as well. One um, would be shoes. I got Blundstones recently and am absolutely in love with them. Especially Can confirm they are a good purchase. Yeah, they're expensive, which is why I didn't buy them for a little bit, but 100% worth it. And I should have bought them when I first moved here five years ago. So great shoe. Also not a sponsor. <laughs> and the other thing is this skincare line that's hmm. sold at Walmart. It's ITK. And honestly, I just love it. So have been using it for a year and a half and can highly recommend. Hmm. Well, the only product that comes to mind for me was a last minute Walmart purchase a few weeks ago. Well, months ago, the first time it snowed out here and I didn't have a snow scraper for my car. So I bought this like $12 one, but it's massive and it makes getting the snow off my car so easy. So go big or go home is what I would say when it comes to a (laughs) snow scraper. 
Yeah, that's true. Especially on a day like today. Mm -hmm. Snowing like crazy. Well, I can't remember my second product, and maybe by the end of the episode, I'll (laughs) surprise everybody and remember. But I just like knowing what everybody thinks is super valuable. It's kind of fun to see what people think is a good good purchase that they have had. So, Emily, Mm -hmm. who the heck are you? And we're going to start with the top three essential things that people need to know about you. Okay. Um, this question makes me nervous, but essential things. Is that one? <laughs> um, that can be one A, I suppose. One B, I am a follower of Jesus. Number two, I am engaged in getting married this Ooh. coming July. Soon to be no longer Emily Watling. I know, yeah. Emily Harris on the way. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This is the only feature you'll ever get with Emily Watling. And then number three, um, I stand by this. Out of all the Cars movies, Cars 2 is the best. That's what you need to know about me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Hot take. That is a hot take. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Why would you say that? Like It's about spy cars. Who doesn't love a good spy movie? I but the say, first one is such a classic. But it has no spies. It is kind of amazing <laughs> that it's a movie about racing and then a movie about spies in England and then a movie about racing. So it's definitely unique. Of the three. It's the best. I've actually never seen the whole thing through. I've seen And we one, live together? I know. <laughs> We've seen... Oh, yeah. Emily's also my roommate right now. I am. <laughs> Liv and Emily and I were all supposed to live together and then... Live is now in another state, so <laughs> that's okay. No hard it's feelings. Okay. Zoom is a great thing. We can all sit in the same room now. Um, anyway, so I've seen one and three, which I absolutely love, but I guess I should watch two now. Mm-hmm. It looked so weird. That's kind of why I didn't uh, see it. It's so good. The comedy, top tier. <laughs> yeah, you've got to watch that one. Okay, all right, you've convinced me. Emily, what do you do for work? Oh, what do I not do for work? Um, I am in a master's program currently. So I'm a student and then I am working at CCU, Colorado Christian University, where we all went and met. So we're all pretty familiar. Um, I'm working in undergraduate admissions there. And then I also work as a barista. Do you like barista-ing? I love baristaing. It is, yeah, I would say it's my favorite job. That you've ever had? Um, no, but currently I enjoy <laughs> <Okay>. it <laughs> the most. <laughs> mm, that's good. Mm-hmm. Where are you currently going to church at? I go to Fathom Church in Littleton, Colorado, and have been there for over five years now, which feels crazy. Wow. Our last question on the get to know you portion, even though we all three know you, (laughs) is what is your experience with Greek? Hmm. I took a full year of Greek in my undergrad. Um, I actually met Caitlin. We were in the first, like our first semester of Greek, we were in the same class Mm -hmm. and sat right next to each other. Mm -hmm. And we would grade each other's quizzes every morning. Well, every morning of class. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We didn't really become friends then, though. Oh, no. We were definitely not friends. Mm-hmm. 
They're um, just like <laughs> random classmates that didn't talk to each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I spent a year learning Greek. My last semester ended during COVID, and so that kind of killed my enjoyment of Greek. It was really hard to learn over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got to be a um, TA for a Greek class the following year, and so that was nice to stay um, up to date, I guess. But then after college, I did something completely different and found myself learning a lot of Dari, and so Greek definitely fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot Question. that we were TAs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. There's a weird lag on your camera, Caitlin, where I can't see you go up to the mic, but I can see everybody else in real time, but not you. <laughs> so, anyways, sorry. Um, <clears throat> Emily, I have a question for you. Okay. Do you have any Greek tattoos? Oh, I do have a Greek tattoo. <laughs> Is this a common question? No. First time Just it's ever for been you. asked on the podcast. Oh, thank you. Yes, I do have a Greek tattoo. What does it say? Any guesses out there? <laughs> well, I know what, what it says. says. Kate, oh, what do I you think Kate. it says? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question. I feel put on the spot. Um, I I don't know. It's a pretty common word, but not common in the Gospels. It is. See, one of the words is in CCU's big statement that they uh, are. That's that's a giveaway. It was. Is it Karis? No, it's Kai. Kai? No, <laughs> no it is Karis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <It's> Kate. Kai. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, yes. My middle name is Grace, so that is partially why I got it tattooed. Mm-hmm. And my life is marked by the grace of God. So that was really my big momentum was mm-hmm. now my body is marked by grace. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. And Cade, good job guessing on the, Thanks. the nice Greek work. word. And peak Greek humor from Emily over here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Oh, that was good. <laughs> wow. Okay. Mm. <laughs> We are going to get moving on into 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 24. Caitlin, what happened in the first 10 verses of chapter 3 in 1 John? Yeah, so two episodes ago, we were talking through 1 John 3, 1 through 10, and um, we had some good wrestlings and discussions on um, sin and what it means to walk as a believer. And um, yeah, just going back to the reoccurring theme of John's letter here of what it means to walk in the light and how you are distinguished from those who walk in the darkness Um, and those who have been born of God and those who are not of God, those who walk in righteousness and those who do not walk in righteousness. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of where we're picking up here. Um, Talking more about the same theme. Thanks, Caitlin. Emily, are you ready to hear Cade's Greek reading of First John? I am so ready. <laughs> All right, Cade, take it away. 
All right. Yeah. So this is First John chapter three verses eleven through twenty four. Hati haute estin he angelia hein akusate aparkes hina agapomen alelus ukathos kain ectu poneru ein kai esfaxen tan adelphon outu Kaikarin tinas esfaxen autan hati ta erga outu bonera ein ta de tu adelfu outu dikaya kaime thaumazete adelfoi e mese humas ha kasmas hemes oidamen hati meta bebekamen ectu thanatu ace tain zoain hati Agapomen tus adelphus, hame agapon, mene ento thanato, pas hamison, tan adelphan, atu anthropoctanas, estin, kai oidate hati pas anthropoctanas, uk eke zoen, ionian, en atu menusan, en tuto egnokomen. Tain agapen, hati ekenas huper, hemon tain psukain autu etheken, kai hemes afelomen huper ton adelfon tas psukas thenai. Hos de an eke tan bian tu kasmu, kai theore tan adelfon autu keon. Eganta kai klese tas blankna ap autu poshe agape tu theu mene en auto. Technia me agapomen lago mede te glose al en ergo kai alethea. Kai en tuto gnosametha hati ectes alethea's esmen. Kai emprosthen autu. Pesamen tain, cardian hemon, hati eon karaginoske, hemon he cardia, hati mezon esten hatheas, tes cardias hemon, kaginoske panta, agapetoi, eon he cardia hemon, me kataginoske, parisian ekamen prostantheon, kaiha eon itomen. Lambanamen ap outu, hati as entelas outu, te rumen kaita eresta, enopion outu poiumen. Kaiote estin he entele outu, hena pistusomen, to anamati, tu huyu, hanamati, tu huyu outu, Iesu Christu, kai agapomen alelus. Kathos edoken entelain hemin. Kaiteron tas entelas outu en outo. Mene kai outas en outo. Kai en tuto genoskamen hati mene en humin. Ectu numatas hu hemin edoken. Very good, Cade. You crushed it. Side note I see a man outside with the same snow brush that I have. And I'm telling you, it works great. 
We're seeing it live and in action right now. <laughs> Highly recommended. Not a sponsor, but can't confirm it works. It works. We're watching it work. Emily, would you mind reading the English for us for those of us who didn't pick up on what Cade was reading as he was reading it? Yes, I can do that. Okay, starting in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that you have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Thanks, Emily. Mm -hmm. I feel like just hearing this chunk of scripture, and I think I've said this multiple times, it just rings so many of the themes of John that we had a whole episode on, and we continue to mention episode after episode, just things that connect back to each other that we've heard John say before, and just his overall vision of what he's wanting to tell his readers, which I think is just so awesome. Mm -hmm. So starting in verse one, does anybody have any insights from this? I mean, this looks just kind of similar to the rest of the themes of John in the first chapter of, you know, this message from the beginning that we've heard and continuing on with love from verse 10 that we were speaking about. I just reading this I think it's so, um, I guess, important to recognize that John, who's writing, like, he was with Jesus in his life, so, like, the new covenant has come through Christ, but still recalls that this is the same message, like, from the beginning, which are the words in Genesis 1-1, and so just recognizing that the narrative that Yahweh has created is one cohesive thing, and it didn't change Mm -hmm. with the coming of the Messiah, but the commandment has always been the same and we just, yeah, it's developed over time and now looks different under the new covenant, but it's always been the same message. Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And I think um, we see that in the law, like all the different laws geared towards how we can love our neighbor. And then when Jesus was asked like to sum up the law, like the Mm -hmm. most important commandment, he said, love God and love your neighbor. That's, Mm -hmm. so it's all like centered around love. And so we should first and foremost, love our creator, savior and king. And then because of that love, which 
and John also says elsewhere, we love because he first loved us. Mm -hmm. So because God first loved us, then we have the ability to love him back. And then we should be overflowing with love towards those around us, especially as John talks about all through first John, those of the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters here. So, Mm -hmm. Hmm. yeah. And especially after our conversation a couple weeks ago, um, where we spent a lot of time talking about sin this reminder of like this command of loving one another, that's what sets apart the Christian. Like that's, that's what sets apart God's people from those who are walking in sin. The ones who do sin um, is the one that loves his brother or his sister. That even leads right into verse 12. So we get the example from the Old Testament again of how Cain murdered his brother Abel. And it says even just right here in the verse, why did he murder him? Because his deeds were evil and his brother's deeds were righteous. And so from, yeah, the episode a few weeks ago when we were looking in verse 10, it was talking again about righteousness and loving his brother. And someone who is unrighteous doesn't practice that and who does not love his brother is not of God. And so even right here where it doesn't say Abel loved I mean, the parallel between righteousness and loving, again, is evident. So that just continues on throughout this verse, which I think is pretty neat as well. Yeah, I thought it would be helpful because um, maybe not everyone who's listening is familiar with the story of Cain and Abel, but it's another connection in these first two verses to Genesis. Um, mm-hmm. Emily called out the first one, and here's another one. So I'm just going to read a few verses from Genesis chapter 4. Um, Maybe we can chat about that real quick before moving on. Mm -hmm. Um, Verses 3 through 10 is what I'm going to read. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. The story continues with God placing a curse on Cain, and he's going to wander the rest of his life, etc., etc. John tells us right here that Cain's deeds were evil, but he's not, you know, he's referring to the murder of his brother, but he's referring to what Cain did before that as well. So, what was it about Cain's actions that were evil in the eyes of the Lord? This is no official theological opinion, but when I think about the difference between Cain's actions and Abel's is that we can see that Cain brought the Lord um, just an offering from the fruit of the ground. So that was like his domain of work. But then with Abel's offering, it specified that it was the firstborn of the flock. um, And that was later in the Old Testament, we see that the Lord commands the firstborn to be given to him because he is God and that is the rightful way to honor him. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's not explicit, but my mind can fill in that then Cain just gave like maybe the leftover fruit or the fruit that didn't look as great. Um, and so that just reflects 
his heart before the Lord. And like, if you love someone, you're going to give them the best and not just whatever's left over. So it's more, I think it's less about his explicit action and more the intention of his heart that was revealed through his Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's part of sacrificing the firstborn in ancient times as well as like, there's no guarantee that there's going to be a second, right? And yeah. so to sacrifice the firstborn is a act of fully putting our faith in God to provide again. Um, because you're giving back to the Lord. You're saying, hey, you've given me this. I give it back to you. Um, it's an act of trust. And so we can see it there as well that Abel was trusting the Lord with um, what he had been provided by giving the firstborn. And I'm sure that if Cain had given the first fruits, it would have specified. So that's why we can draw the conclusion. It seems that Cain Mm -hmm. wasn't giving the first fruits. And so in his actions, um, he was not trusting the Lord there. It seems like the Lord says to Cain in that story, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. This desire is contrary to you, but you you must rule over it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it just seems like that was that the lack of trust was opening Cain to mm-hmm. sin mm-hmm. or sin further even. Mm-hmm. I just feel like this is definitely a tangent from our passage in first John, but it seems so I've known the story of Cain and Abel growing up in the church, but the way that the Lord clarifies that and says, um, like sin is crouching at the door. It's desire is contrary to you and you must resist, or I don't remember the exact wording, but like to see that the Lord didn't already say like, okay, this action of distrust or dishonor or whatever it was, was sin itself, but saying that this further sin is looming and we can see it's there because you weren't already like abundantly giving and worshiping out of love for me. And the Lord like is even cautioning him, like guard yourself against the sin, like Mm -hmm. you can resist it. And so yeah, like the Lord isn't necessarily um, punitive, I guess, in this, but it's you can see his care for Cain even mm-hmm. in like begging him to not commit further sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, Emily, like you were just saying, um, Cain's um, apparent lack or small love for God is shown by his actions there. And um, then we can see how that not correct relationship with the Lord affected his actions towards others, Mm. Um, which brings us back to what John's talking about here in 1 John, like the love that we have as people of God um, should impact um, our love for others. And we'll get to this further, but like Cade, I think you mentioned earlier, that is the mark of a believer. And love is not just something that is a feeling, it is an active word, and it is an action and should affect every single thing that you do. As Caitlin was even just saying, so these first two verses that we've already covered, so we so we see that we are supposed to love one another, and we get an example of a story of Cain not loving his brother. And then moving into verse 13, we get an imperative where John is telling us with the word thematite, which means do not be surprised, do not wonder, do not marvel that the world hates you. Which seems kind of like an intense, uh, contra- not contradiction, but just intense all of a sudden. We're talking about 
loving, but we're going to be hated by the world. What is everybody's thoughts on that verse? Yeah, I, you know, I, I look ahead a little farther in the passage and I think of, I think of verse 15 as well, where it says everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Like John very purposely referenced Cain and Abel. Um, and so when he's talking about like the world hating us, he's drawing this, you know, he's connecting that to Cain. And he even says like in verse 12 again, like Cain hated Abel in his heart because what Abel had done was righteous and what Cain had done was not. And so when I think of, you know, 13 through 15, do not marvel or do not like wonder like if the world hates you or like when the world hates you, um, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. And so, yeah, I just think that John is very clearly saying like, hey, the world is like Cain and they're going to hate us because we do what is righteous because we, because we love one another and we love the Lord. And that's going to set us apart from the world, and they're going to hate us because of that. Um, yeah, I just it's very it's very intentional to start with Cain, mm-hmm. and then talk about how the one who hates his brother is a murderer. He's trying to mm-hmm. put that story in their mind when they think of what it means to not love a brother. Yeah, I feel like this whole little section right here and. I know that Caitlin, I think, has a note on here just about John 15, but applying to both verses 13 and 14 here. Um, And so down to 14, when it says, whoever does not love abides in death. So in John 15, we hear Jesus talking about that he is the true vine and those who are in him abides in him. But then here in this verse, we see that there are those who do not love and they abide in death. And just thinking of, again, the stark contrast of the two ways we can abide. We can either abide in Christ and we'll continue to grow and it'll be fruitful. Or we're going to be abiding in death, which is not great at all. And so I just think, yeah, this is important to look at, especially in the context of all of John's writings. Yeah, I absolutely love John as an author, and the Gospel of John is like one of my favorite books of the Bible, and he covers so many different things, but then I feel like the book of 1 John is a very condensed little letter where you can like read through it and you can pull so much out of it, but also using the Gospel of John to interpret it, like we talked about with Sam Swanson, um, using scripture to interpret other scripture, I think reading the Gospel of John alongside 1 John is so helpful because what you were saying there, Liv, um, with verse 14 also made me think of chapter 10 of John, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and is that, no, that's in John 14. Backing up, that's in John 14. (laughs) But, um, in John 10, he talks about how the thief is the one that comes to steal and kill and destroy, but he has come that they may have we may have life and may have it abundantly. And so as John is talking about in this letter, whoever does not love abides in death. Those are the people that are following after the false shepherd, the hireling that comes to steal and kill and destroy and not following the voice of the true shepherd who has come to give them life and life abundantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And then I think it's so important in this whole conversation to remember what you mentioned earlier, Caitlin, what John says in his letter, either before or after this, but that we only love, we only have the capacity to love because God first loved us. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is totally jumping to the end of our passage today, but it's only by the spirit that now abides in us because of the renewal that we've experienced, because of the atonement of Christ that we that we can even like have this distinguish distinguishment from the world. Mm-hmm. Um, like hearing that the world hates us, I think it could be easy to think of like two camps of us versus them. Um, but I think it's so important to remember that we were in with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. All we knew was hate before Christ redeemed us and gave us his spirit and gave us the ability to truly love. Um, and so part of that love now is to like look at the rest of the world and be aware that they might hate us, but also to know that like they too are the love of God is access is available to them and that our goal is for them to also be with us in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not the host here, but I feel like if we even look at our next verse, it's kind of segued because John is calling us to look at the example of Christ, mm. um, how we we know love that Christ laid down his life for us, um, and that, that sets the example of how we love the brothers, which is kind of insane. I don't know if you guys do that on the daily, but I don't. Um, even just sitting in this verse and meditating on it, um, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Like you were saying, that is just a crazy, such a large statement that I, I at least definitely read and I'm like, okay, moving on. And um, I definitely need to sit and dwell in that and what that actually means on the day-to-day life um, because it is so amazing and just unfathomable what Christ has done for us. Um, He literally came, left everything, came, became a man, fully God, fully human, lived among us, among his own people who rejected him. We killed him. We rejected everything he was and said, and he still gave himself up fully to ransom and redeem us. And if that's the definition and standard of love, like how often do we fall short like every single day? Yeah, definitely yeah, feels like that. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, okay. Go ahead, Kate. No, you go. It's fine. It definitely feels like there's layers to what John is trying to tell us here. Because where is the passage? Because there's another verse. It says like there's no greater love than li- than this to lay one's life down, down for his friend. First friend. Thank yeah, you. John 15 once again. There we go. <laughs> John and his themes. But, yeah, because I think that there's on the one level of, like, laying down, like, your wants and your desires out of love for one another. And I think Jesus even does this throughout the Gospels. There's moments where he was, like, seeking solitude from the crowds, but then the crowds find him still. And he still takes the time to, like, minister to them and um, mm-hmm. meet them where they are. And he's laying, he's laying down his life in those smaller moments. Mm-hmm. Um by sacrificing what's he, what he wants there. You know, he wants to get mm-hmm. some sleep or get some quiet. Um, and obviously the the extreme of like, you know, actually laying down your life and dying for the sake of a friend, which is what Jesus did for us. Like that is the greatest love. 
we could ever experience, and that's what we, you know, we we do experience as Christians, right? So I think there's layers there. Well, this brings me back to our last First John episode, and I quoted from Hebrews 4, but talking about how Christ suffered and experienced full humanity. And so looking at this verse, saying that he laid down his life for us, and we should lay our lives down for the brothers, this is not a goal that we are not able to obtain because Christ was fully human. And we ourselves are fully human, but empowered by Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we are able to do these things. And it may sound super hard and difficult, and it might not be the most fun thing that we do every day, but we are able to do it because Christ was able to do it, which I think is such an encouragement. That um, also reminds me of Paul when he's writing in to the Philippians. He says, um, let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to the whole Christological passage there, which is so rich about Christ um, humbling himself, emptying himself, and um, sacrificing himself for us. But he says, just as you were saying, live like have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so, because um, we do have the Spirit, like you were saying, we have the example in Christ, which the Lord preserved through His Word. We can read it, we can know it, and we have the power of the Spirit to be able to live and give up our interests uh, for the interests of others. Mm-hmm. That even reminds me of a passage from Matthew 25 which I think connects really well into verses 17 and 18 here in First John. Um, and I'll just start reading Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And I think that John, I wonder if John is like remembering that passage, because again, that came from Matthew. But in verses 17 17 and 18, John is saying, you know, love for the Lord, it almost demands that we love one another, um, especially those who are um, in need of help and in need of assistance, that the least of these, as Jesus says, um, that in order to love, yeah, to love the Lord, we have to be, you know, we have to love these people. And to be able to love these people, we have to have experienced the love of the Lord as well. And I think that that's seen in Jesus' life once again. The ending in verse 18 caught my eye because John says, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. And again, I think that that Jesus sets that example. Like He came in grace and in truth. All of Jesus' actions were actions of love and of grace and of mercy, Mm -hmm. of self-sacrifice, and they were all in truth as well. And so that's how we're called to love people as well. We're called to love 
in the grace and mercy of Lord Jesus, as well and in as as well as in His truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just speaking like a short thing from personal experience. That verse, verse eighteen, has given me so much comfort um, in times of suffering and in times when I've felt wronged by people. Um, just to know that true love that is commanded by God isn't something that's just spoken or it's not just talk, but that. Mm-hmm like truly loving someone is done in deed. It's done in action um, and it's true. And I think there's a lot of enduring hope. Um, I find enduring hope in knowing that that is the love of God. Yeah. And if you can, like, it's very easy to say the words to someone that you love them and say a bunch of nice things. But going back to verse 17 here, we have this example of like closing up your heart against someone and you could have a closed heart but still be speaking all of the right things but you're truly not loving them because if your heart is closed you will not be acting in love towards them Mm -hmm. and so and this word here for that is translated heart is splankna and some of us in the greek three class um did a whole word study project on this and it (laughs) the old english translated it as the bowels of kindness, which sounds really funny to our ears. But um, in the New Testament, the word is used in a way where it communicates like the innermost depth, the seat of your feelings and your emotions towards another person. And so if you close up that deep part of yourself towards another person, there's no way you're going to be acting in love towards them. And so John is saying here, like, don't do that. Like, how can the love of God abide in you if you're closing up all of yourself to your brother who's in need here. Like that is your brother in Christ, one that Christ died for and loves and you should live self-sacrificially and help them out if you have the means. As I think about these last six verses that we're about to discuss, um, I find it just so encouraging because there are times in the Christian walk um, as we follow after Jesus where like we try to condemn ourselves. I I know in my personal experience, I've had some really hard seasons where I've struggled to like show myself the love of God. It's easy to, it's easier to show other people sometimes, but sometimes my own heart condemns me because of my sins or how I've treated others. And I love these verses because John is saying like, Hey, if that happens, if your heart condemns us, just know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Um, and we have confidence before God and our confidence is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, right? Mm-hmm. That the sins that we, we struggle to forgive ourselves of, to love ourselves in spite of, that Jesus is able to do that. He, you know, he loved us to the point of death. That love he, that he has shown to us we can show not only to other people, but we can show to ourselves as well. And I find a lot of encouragement and hope in that. I think it's also a good reminder to be um, like brutally honest with yourself sometimes and good to take a pause and examine your heart Um because we can easily get carried away in actions and going through the motions in the Christian life. And so it's like a good reminder to pause and examine 
the motives of our actions and if it's truly coming out of, we're doing this because we believe in Christ and the love that he has given us. So kind of on the flip side to what you're saying, Kate, like um, to examine our own selves and if we find that we're falling, we're coming up short here on how we are treating others and the motives for that, we need to go back to the gospel there and remind ourselves of what Christ has done to then motivate ourselves once again of why we can love others. And in verse 22, John gives like this simple statement. He's like, um, and not 22, sorry, in 23, he says, and this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and that we love one another just as he commanded us. And it's two very simple things summed up in what, um, when Paul talks about the new man versus the old man, like our old self has been redeemed by Christ and we are now a new creation. And the new person doesn't act like the old person, otherwise it wouldn't be new. And so if we believe in the name of Jesus Christ, we are new and we can love one another like Christ has said. Yeah. That's kind of like where we left off last week. One of the one of our application points was we got to take sin seriously and recognize sin for what it is and deal with it. Um, but yeah, that's a really good reminder, Caitlin. And that's why like Jesus Christ is so beautiful, right? Like there's now no condemnation mm-hmm. for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like let us draw boldly to the throne of grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're able to do all of that because of Jesus Christ. And we can extend, you know, I'm not sure if this is John's point here, but we, we can extend forgiveness and love to ourselves mm-hmm. because Christ has first extended that to us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a kind of um, guilt that leads to repentance, mm-hmm. but shame has no place in the life of the Christian because, as you were saying, Paul states that so clearly in Romans 12, there is now no condemnation for Christ because we are covered in his blood. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Shame is not of the Lord. Mm-hmm. I just have found a lot of encouragement in this passage in the past. Um, actually, not even out of the first John text, but out of John 14 and 15, where this theme is also touched on. Uh, but just the reminder that the commandment that we are really given by Christ as his covenant people, um, is to believe in him and to love. Um, and no matter when I think I'm falling short of maybe the commands that it feels like God has given me, like through a calling or through something specific, um, the spirit reminds me like as a covenant believer, I am called to believe and I'm called to love. Um, and I can stand in confidence before the Lord, knowing that I can do those things by his spirit and I can trust him to work out the other more specific details of my behavior. That is a good encouragement and kind of summarization of just what we were talking about today. So thanks for sharing that, Emily. We are grateful that you were able to join us for the podcast and just deep diving into First John chapter 3. So thank you so much for coming on with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. We are excited for our discussion coming up uh, this next episode with Dr. Bosworth. It is a really fun, kind of different episode than we've had before. So we are very excited for you to listen to that. Thanks for listening today, and we will catch you next time.
Thanks for taking a seat with us today. We hope you were encouraged as we discuss the glory of God revealed through His Word. If you'd like to join or participate in the conversation, follow us at Open Seat Podcast on Instagram or send questions to our email, openseatconvos at gmail.com. Until next time, grace and peace.